0: Unrighteous Anger, the German response to the Treaty of Versailles. It's not an exaggeration to say that the Treaty of Versailles did not go down well in Germany. In fact, it, it went down like a cup of cold sick. In this short little podcast, we're going to talk about what the German problems were with the treaty, both the terms of the treaty and the way the treaty was done. It is important that before you listen to this podcast, you've listened to the podcast and looked at your notes about the actual terms of the treaty, because that's the only way that you'll be able to make sense of what follows. So, why did Germany dislike the Treaty of Versailles so much? Their problems with it, basically, came down to four areas. The first was the way that the negotiations were carried out. Germany was under the impression that after the Paris Peace Conference they would be presented with a list of terms which they could then negotiate. That isn't what happened. They were presented with a list of terms and then had three weeks to protest. They protested with those three weeks, but very few changes were made as a result of that. To the Germans, this seemed massively unfair. They were not consulted. They were not negotiated with. They called it a dictated peace. The German word for it is diktat. A lot of Germans, including later on down the line Adolf Hitler, felt that if they were not consulted on the terms of the treaty, they should not be forced to abide by it. Now the one thing I would say on that score is this. It's a little rich for the Germans to be complaining about an enforced dictated peace, considering that they did exactly the same to Russia in 1917. The Treaty of Brest-Litovsk was a dictated peace and was equally as harsh as the Treaty of Versailles. So you have to say, is it fair for the Germans to then complain about being treated exactly the way that they treated their defeated enemies? The second area in which the Germans were unhappy was to do with the land settlement. Now, you have to remember that the amount of land and people lost by Germany is huge. 72,000 square kilometres of land and 6 to 7 million people. That's over 10% of the land and the people that originally made up Germany have been ripped away. 1.5 million German-speaking people have now been placed under Polish control it's worth remembering, if you look back at the terms of the treaty and the aims of the big three, that this was a particular thing which Lloyd George fought against. He did not want the creation of Poland to engulf so many German-speaking people. He said that this would be a cause for a war further down the line. And of course, as we see, he's right. But also... There is a principle here, and the principle is that the 14 points, Wilson's 14 points, the basis on which Germany surrendered, make a very big play of the idea of self-determination, that people should decide for themselves where they are going to go, who is going to rule them, and which countries they are going to belong to. And this ripping away of German-speaking people and placing them under the control of other governments goes directly against the idea of self-determination. So again, this looks like hypocrisy on the part of the Allied powers. The final thing that they're upset about in terms of the land settlement is what happens to their overseas colonies. The overseas colonies owned by Germany and their allies are simply taken away and distributed. As we've said before, this is basically booty. This is theft. They're taken away and they're given to the victorious powers. And again, from Germany's point of view, this hardly seems fair or in line with the idea of self-determination. The third area on which the Germans complain is the idea of the military restrictions. Remember, all the way through these two topics, the first two topics, the idea of German militarism has been there. Germany had a proud military tradition, and that has now been ripped away. Their army has been reduced to a hundred thousand men. That's certainly not enough to threaten any of the neighbouring countries, but more to the point, it's not even enough for them to be able to maintain order at home. And, indeed, The sheer amount of violence and unrest on the streets of Weimar Germany at the end of 1918, as these soldiers are demobbed and sent out into civilian life, does suggest that they're right. They do need a larger army. But more than that, there is also the idea that the 14 points say that everybody should disarm. But by the end of 1919, only Germany has been forced to disarm. So again, there is a sense of unfairness. There is a sense that Germany surrendered on a false bill of goods. They were told that the peace would be settled around the 14 points, but the 14 points are not being adhered to. There is also an issue about the demilitarisation of the Rhineland. This idea that it's their own backyard and they can't park their tanks there. We know why it's demilitarised. It's demilitarised because Clemenceau wants to protect France. Indeed, Clemenceau actually wants to take the Rhineland completely away and set it up as a uh, an independent state under French control, but he's overruled by Wilson and Lloyd George. But that demilitarization is a sore, which is going to be rubbing up against German foreign policy for the next ten years. The fourth area in which the Germans take issue with the Treaty of Versailles is the idea of war guilt. The infamous Clause 231 which assigns the entirety of the guilt for the war to Germany and her allies. The important thing here is that it assigns the guilt to Germany and the problem the Germans have with that is very simple. The government which got them into the war led by the Kaiser is no longer in power there's a revolution in 1918, the Kaiser abdicates, he's gone, there is a new democratically elected government. Is it right to hold that government to account for the actions of the king who is now gone? Also, there is the fact that, as we've discussed before, you can't solely pin the blame for the war on Germany. Every other country that was involved in those games of brinkmanship, in those naval arms races, in those arms races, in those secret alliances, all of them have some measure of guilt as well. Attached to this is the concept of reparations. Now, this comes later when it's announced, the £6.6 billion sum, which is way too much for Germany to be able to pay. France is not interested in how much Germany can afford to pay. They simply want to ruin Germany. So the idea of this vast sum being expected of them because they are entirely to blame for the war seems both unfair and punitive. It's a punishment put there by France to destroy Germany. Now, all of those are the reasons why Germany disliked the Treaty of Versailles. What you have to be able to do in your exam is to weigh up those and think about which ones of them are fair. Which one of them is actually a legitimate complaint? Or which ones of them? Is it all of them? Is it only one of them? You need to be able to back this up with your knowledge of how Germany acted during the war and of the circumstances that led towards the war and also of the behaviour of the Big Three at the Paris Peace Conference. Remember that, get that clear in your head and you will be able to answer any question on Germany's responses to the Treaty of Versailles. Thank you very much for listening and good luck in your exams.